1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Big Blue Banter, the podcast for me and my co-host, Nick Turchin, we try to break down the New York Giants from an NFL film standpoint, but also from a deeper standpoint with a deep look into the roster and everything that's unfolding. Obviously, last week we recapped the Browns game. You can find that on iTunes under Big Blue Banter or Spotify or Speaker, or wherever we have it, which seems to be everywhere now. But today, what we wanted to do is preview the Giants' second preseason game against the Detroit Lions this Friday night. Uh, they've been in Detroit now since Monday night. They started joint practices with the Lions on Tuesday and Wednesday. And we got a little special treat for you on today's show. While I haven't been able to make it out there to Detroit for the practices, we do have with us who will join us later in the show, my good buddy and my colleague at 24-7 Sports, Max Demera, who covers the Lions at 24-7 Sports. And I think... At the very least, you're going to like to hear him because he's going to bring a little bit of a different tone and accent to the podcast. Obviously, me and Nick have these heavy New York thick accents, and you're going to get to hear a little a little Midwest accent with Max, and he's got a strong one, so I can't wait to bring him on. But more importantly, he knows a lot about the Detroit Lions. He's been there at practice this week. He's going to tell us everything he's seen. But before we do that, me and Nick wanted to break down a few more things before we preview this uh, this Giants-Lions game at the end. We just want to take talk a little bit more about what we didn't cover on the last podcast with regards to the Cleveland Browns' first preseason game. And one of the players we did not touch on, we promised we would, because a lot of people were talking to us about this on Twitter, at least me, about wanting to know how he did. It's Will Hernandez, the rookie second-round pick. The offensive guard, the guy expected to step in right away, be a day one, week one starter, and an above average one at that. Um, Nick, obviously, Will Hernandez uh, graded out subpar from pro football focus. You know, whether people want to take PFF as the gospel is their decision or not. But at the same time, when I went back and rewatched the game, I decided on offense to focus on him. Obviously, I didn't have time to watch every single player and every single snap, but I wanted to focus on one player, and it was Hernandez. To me, it seemed like he pretty much had... Just as many positive as negative plays. Not the greatest debut in my mind. Nick, what
2: did you see? Saw a couple of things. Yeah, I think it was a lot of, lot of good and some bad, kind of what you're saying. A um, couple of the good things. Really liked his, uh, for a player of his size, really liked his footwork. And this is coming out of college, guys. Have been, we're, we're talking about this. Really good footwork. Light feet, able to get to the second level pretty well. Uh, pretty good. What I saw low, on, specifically la- on uh, last f- Thursday, was a uh, pretty good hand placement. Um, really good um, good use of hands, really liked to see him kind of getting out on both in power blocks as well as down blocks. Um, really liked, actually, one of the things I really liked was his ability to sell the screen on a play that actually was blown dead, uh, where he traveled really well to the second level against a guy, uh, Michael Kendricks, who's much more athletic than he was. So it showed that he was an athlete in space, and for a bigger guy, this was definitely almost a question mark of his, I think, coming out of, uh, coming out of UTEP. Um, you know, really liked... I liked his ability to stay with blocks and fight through things. One play that guys mentioned was an outside zone to the right side that uh, where he actually had a really tough assignment to block the inside two-eye technique um, defensive tackle. I forget the guy's name on Cleveland. But anyway, he rode the guy as hard as he could laterally, and he ended up at... Um, at Barkley's feet, and many people kind of thought it was a, basically a bad thing and a, and a blown assignment or, or a missed block, but basically he did what he could when he was beaten, and he finished real strong, putting his, putting his guy on the ground, and what really derailed that play was actually Eric Flowers on blocking the edge uh, on the play side of the play. Uh, so anyway so hate
1: to hear that yeah
2: right and that, that was one of those things it's like yeah do we want to go in and start dogging him again I mean no I mean, <laughs> we know it's a work in progress so that's what I saw from that play it wasn't really kind of a massive issue a couple things in pass pro I know a bunch of guys were talking about that um, you know he, he's a little sluggish it's things things that he with, struggles with he's a little sluggish to his right side which Jalapio was as well um, I think it's going to be their play speed's going to increase as their snaps increase overall Just in, that's across the board for everybody too um you know i think that he he was he didn't reset his feet as well as he wanted to in some blocks um Kind of got pushed around a touch and pass on, on some levels, but when he's good, his stance is very good. Whether he's sliding to his left with help or on his own, and really uses those good long arms in a, in a good way. Again, good use of hands, and so I, I really liked his 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 potential in pass pro to get even better, and I think his overall comfortability to get better. And what I'm looking for specifically this game is as he gets more comfortable, you're going to see his finishes become much more violent, and they'll it'll it'll equate more to what we saw in the college film from UTEP.
1: No doubt. And speaking, you know, of violent finishes, there's actually a play that I read about from Tuesday's joint practice with the Lions where basically a counter, it seems like a counter power play where Hernandez supposedly, and we're going to ask Max about it if he got a chance to see it from his vantage point at practice, but supposedly, you know, perfectly took Ziggy Ansa out of the play and created a massive hole for Wayne Gallman, who's been getting more work now with Saquon Barkley down, to burst through. So we're going to ask We're going to ask Max if he saw that, but, you know, that's what you're saying. Those violent blocks that we saw so often on his tape at utah that's what we want to see with the Giants. That's what we want to see, his ability to open up holes for the running game. And, again, guys, let's not totally jump on Hernandez's back for an up-and-down game because he only played 14 snaps. You know, the starters weren't on the field very much. And I think from what Nick just broke down, we saw enough flashes of big-time potential that these these little mistakes and some of the blocks that maybe he missed he can improve on and execute later. And we're going to dive into one more topic that we didn't feel like we covered enough. And, again, we're not we're not here to bash Davis Webb. Obviously, me and Nick on the last podcast have made it pretty known we weren't a huge fan of his college game tape at Cal. We think there's some tools to work with, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I know a lot of people thought we might have been a little too harsh on him in the last podcast, but I want to touch on maybe more of an upside, uh, you know, more of a... <laughs> A rosier topic, and that's Kyle Oletto, who both me and Nick like what we saw from in the first game. Actually, Nick posted a clip on Twitter recently of what was my favorite play from Oletto, which was a I believe you, you can break it down in the technical terms of it. It's like a play action gun play where he kind of worked through his reads fast and got the ball out quick on time to the outside receiver, giving him which is my which is in my opinion one of the most important traits room to run after the catch and after the ball was placed in a good enough in a a great spot the receiver created another six yards after the catch on what was just honestly just a basic hitch route where the ball i've seen thrown so many times by both eli and other quarterbacks to the point where there was no yards after the catch and that's not a knock on eli obviously things are harder in live game action (laughs) against first team defenses but The point is, I liked what I saw. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you saw when you kind of took a deeper dive into Loretta's first game?
2: Yeah, you know, he didn't have a ton of throws. uh, But, again, I saw saw a few good things. The play you described was was a cover-two coverage. And he's throwing very quickly to the turkey hole. And the turkey hole in cover-two, for those that kind of aren't familiar, it's the area beyond the cornerback if the cornerback's sitting down in the flat and to the uh, outside of the the of the of the safety over the top. And it's kind of a spot that's tricky to hit because the safety is basically ready to jump on that. They know that's where their weak spot is and you kind of have to time it. You have to either have a good timing to get in there or have basically good enough arm strength or in the case of Oletta, have good enough play speed to get the whole shooting match over there into that turkey hole as quick as possible and that's what this throw demanded so for those that kind of want to step in and say hey he doesn't have the arm strength it's like okay well for a it was roughly a 12 to 13yard route i want to say it wasn't that far down the field but you know you're seeing good accuracy and good placement where the guys can then as you said the receiver can then do something after the catch he's not stretched to concentrate extra hard to make the catch and then have to deal with everything else in, in the in the world of football in the playing field there so i really like that example i liked his I liked his ability to control the safeties with his eyes his attention to detail but again most of all and i mentioned this in the last podcast i think it's his footwork his footwork drives his timing and that's that those traits, that's what Schirmer is looking for to start off with for any quarterback in this system. So I think that's where the fit is the most. Um, things, though, more importantly, almost, I think, to shift this time around. You know, we know he's not necessarily getting more reps, I don't think, in practice. Um, so what he has to kind of compete for and get better at, I think, uh, is additional me- uh, improvements in mental processing to both, um, the- both the blitz as well as pocket awareness. Um, he has to kind of get a little better. What we call throwing through trash when guys are kind of in his face or there's hands in the throwing lanes, getting the ball through there. He had a lot of, higher number of balls tipped in college. I think in the most recent season. Um, so looking to see if he can change arm angles and find that those those avenues, those those ways to distribute the ball quickly um, uh, to his receivers at the NFL level. And again, this is something that it's it's kind of it's just like any player it's difficult to grade everything in the preseason but you can definitely see this as reps and i'm definitely focusing on these things for uh for friday night
1: yeah that's really interesting to me especially because you know what you talk about uh laletta and there's a difference and i learned this in more in depth even though it's something i kind of had an idea about before but i had a chance to talk with trent dilfer who you know say what you want about him as an NFL quarterback but he's a great analyst he knows quarterbacks and i had a chance to interview him earlier this offseason because I wanted to know about the draft best because at the time I thought it was pretty locked and loaded the Giants were going to get one of those quarterbacks at the top. And what he told me which was really interesting is that in his opinion there's such a stark contrast between arm talent and arm strength. And what he likes to call arm talent is not arm strength. So maybe Oletta doesn't have the biggest arm but arm talent which is more important to Dilfer he says light year is more important. Is the ability to change the trajectory of your throws based on, you know, the the way you position your arm. And it's the ability to get the ball out on time, but also place it in spots, like you said, to give the receivers a lot of room after the catch. And that's what I saw from Oletta when I watched him at Richmond. A guy who can get the ball out with good trajectory, especially in the red zone where he was the most accurate quarterback during red zone drills. Uh, at the combine actually pro pro football focus charted all the quarterbacks and he was the best in the red zone Um, and that's what we saw a lot because he's got really good ball placement really good trajectory on his passes, good arm talent and he's calm in the pocket and he's poised we saw a play you know I didn't see it I'm going to ask Max about this too when we get the chance to see if he got an eyes on it but I read today during like the final team drills uh, in a situational two minute drill uh, you know Luleto was faced with a second and long he worked his way all through all the progressions. No one was open. It was great coverage. He decided to tuck the ball under and run for the first down. It kept the drive alive. And here's, you know, he can do that. He has more. He has more uh, pocket mobility than you'd expect. Somebody who played lacrosse in his past and has a lot and has a little bit of agility, and mobility tested decently well to the combine there. So I'm going to look to see more of that on on Friday. And you know, you say he doesn't he hasn't gotten as as many like any, uh, you know, upcrease in reps, which is partially true, but actually, the Giants have scaled until recently, until the past few days, had scaled back Eli Manning's reps a little to give both those guys a little more action. And you know, a lot of people think he has an actual shot now to beat out Davis Webb, which I do as well. Um, But anyway, we'll talk a little bit more. We'll talk a little bit more, everyone. But I wanted to get to this part of the show because I'm actually really excited for it. This is actually me and Nick's first guest on Big Blue Banter. We've done now, (laughs) what is this, our seventh podcast, Nick?
2: I think so, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Podcast
1: number seven. This is our first guest. That's going to change because we're going to try to get more guests on as the season goes and different matchups arise with the Giants. We're also going to try to work in some more fan segments, which we'll get to at the end. But I'm definitely honored. That my buddy and colleague for twenty four seven sports, Max DeMera, is with us. I believe he's just joined us on the other line. How you doing, Max?
3: Hey, thanks so much for uh, for having me on, guys. I'm glad to be your first guest. I'm honored to be your first guest. It's it's really cool to uh, to hop on with you guys and uh, and talk some Lions football, some Giants football, and uh, and nice to see these two teams really get it get it going on the field again after they played on uh, the regular season last year. Really cool.
1: Yeah, no doubt, Max. And you
3: know, the after
1: practice day, Pat Shermer, Giants head coach, said, "No, I've really been so impressed with the professionalism of both these teams." And you look around the league, and there seems to be a fight at every single practice, but every single joint practice session, but so far, but this one. And it doesn't mean they're not playing physical, because
3: I bet you can attest to it. It's for some pretty physical football out there. Am I right? Yeah, and actually, that's kind of been my biggest takeaway. I think from this whole thing is, is really the professionalism, and and how great to see not only you know Pat Schirmer a guy who's by the way I have to, to drop it he's from the right. Detroit area he's from right in my hometown of Dearborn Michigan I actually went to Michigan State like I did uh, so I have a lot in common with Pat Shermer. I've always respected him uh, as a, not just a football mind but, but as a player a coach everything and and of course Matt Patricia as well you know both these guys are all about football they're not about any nonsense And and you've seen it they've been able to do it which I which I've been so impressed by like we saw you know, the, the Jets and the, the Redskins fighting and it get, get real physical and chippy and nasty. I mean, you're not getting anything done when that kind of stuff happens. And and how nice that the Lions and Giants have gone out there and have really competed, have, have gotten better, I think, in, in key ways, both sides. Um, you know, I saw some improvement from the Lions defensive line, which I really wanted to see. And, of course, you know, they've had some some moments. There was a little bit of chippiness today. Uh, Lions player on the special teams, Joe, went down and the Giants guy was slugging him a few times. The Giants sideline loved it. But the coaches came in, they blew the whistle, and, and that was dead. So, you know, just great to see that at camp. Great to see a camp uh, with, with class, with professionalism. And that's what you want to see this time of year. Because if there's all uh, the, the other stuff is going on, you're not getting better. You're not improving in between the Lions. You know, how great that those coaches were able to kind of come together, set the ground rules. We saw the Lions and Raiders last week kind of do a similar thing with, with John Gruden and Matt Patricia. Uh, but there was a little chippiness there as well. Uh, but I really like the professionalism I've seen be- between both these sides this week. It's really it's been paramount uh, to watching camp. Yeah, that's awesome, Max. And you know what else has taken kind of center stage?
1: It's been the matchup in individual drills and full team drills between Odo Beckham Jr. and Darius Lake. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen between those two uh, uh, during the joint practices so far?
3: Well, really, I think what, what Slay said yesterday about Odell not losing his step, really being a guy that, that's not going to lose his step till he gets to be 50 years old, <laughs> which I thought was a really great comment by Darius Slay, who's, who's always full of great comments for the media. Um, but, but I saw it. I mean, you talk about Odell Beckham. I've been struck by watching him this week. And first time I've really seen him uh, up close and personal. And I've really enjoyed watching him. I mean, he makes the tough catch look so easy. And in, in Detroit, it's a lot like Calvin Johnson used to do, you know. You just go through his progressions, and there he is. He's always making the big plays, always making the tough catch look easy. So I give Odell Beckham a lot of credit for that. And he performed well against Slay yesterday. We really didn't see a whole lot of, of this. It's not materialized in the way that, that some people hope, where they're just going against each other every single time. Right. and They've done other things, obviously, on the field, working other progressions, other plays. And, um, but the, the time we did see Slay got a few. And I think Odell got a few yesterday. He got in the end zone against him, and, and he's shaking him with some really good moves. I really like what I've seen out of his, his agility. He looks healthy to me. He looks healthy. He looks ready to come back, and I think that bodes well for the Giants. I think they're going to get a great season out of Odell Beckham. If, if he is matching up well against the Darius Slate, who obviously we know last year, eight interceptions, I mean, down. the stats were crazy. He locked down some of the top guys in the game, Antonio Brown, of course, Odell when he played the, the Giants. I mean, there was a whole laundry list of guys that he played head-to-head and went against and just locked down, shut out, pretty much shut out of the game. Um, if, if Odell is doing that in practice and you're seeing those those signs, I think that's a really good sign for Giants face. I think you're going to like where he's headed uh, this season. And that, as we said, you know, based on that work against Slay, can make him even better and can kind of get his season off to the right start here, which is really good early on for the Giants. Yeah, no doubt, Max. And, yeah, you said it best. I mean, Slay has had... His fair
1: share of success against Odell Beckham when you consider it relative to other cornerbacks. Two games against Beckham, he's allowed 10 receptions for 100 yards, which is actually a really good... Against Odell Beckham, those are good numbers, but let's keep in mind, of course, Beckham's matchup against Slay last season came in his first game back after the preseason ankle injury, but I digress. Anyway, <laughs> I, wanted to know another, I wanted to know another thing going on at practice that I've been seeing catch some buzz in recent days, actually more so today, and it's the matchup when the Lions... Shift over Ziggy Ansah to the opposite side of the formation and match him up against Eric Flowers. I I was reading that today. Flowers had a lot of trouble uh, with Anza. And Obviously, any Giants fan who's followed this team for you know more than tw- more than twelve months remembers the game last season (laughs) this week, too, when Ziggy Anza absolutely manhandled Eric Flowers, took over the game, in my opinion, and really won that for the Lions. So how's that matchup been? In general, how has the Giants offensive line held up against a pretty damn solid Detroit Lions defensive line?
3: You know, I think it's it's interesting. Flowers, you bring up Anza's game against him last year, and I think we saw Flowers also struggle today uh also against uh canard devon canard who actually was no stranger to giants fans a guy that that the giants let go of this this Lions picked him up in free agency and they're kind of working him in as kind of a i don't want to say a pass rush specialist but he's a guy that's really going to play a new pass rush role um in this matt patricia hybrid defense the lions are going to be running so we saw canard get two sacks today and he victimized and you know one of them came against flowers and that kind of it was deja vu for me like you said with that game against Ansa. i mean. You know, I think the Giants' offensive line is matched up well enough. I mean, if there's a question about the Lions' defensive front, it is the depth. Is can these guys, you know, all perform up to the, the right level? Can they can they kind of figure this out? This is a complex defense Matt Patricia is installing. Um, it's it's a lot of verbiage. It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of you know terms. And they struggled the week one. I thought against the Raiders, and we've seen signs. That's what signs today. I think they're kind of getting it. They're coming back up. I like them in run defense today. They perform well. I thought. Um, with that. But, you know, Flowers is a guy who, you know, when he does go against, it, it seems like that Ansa battle is a bad one. He struggled against hmm. him, of course yesterday. And, and for whatever reason, it's just there's certain guys, is, is you know, as baseball fans you know, there's certain pitchers that like, you know, that don't have a good matchup against a certain hitter. They always get him, it seems, every time you watch. And it just seems like Flowers doesn't have that with, with going with the Ansa. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because Ansa is actually, I think, one of the keys to this Lions front this year is health. Um, as you said, in that game, you kind of saw flashes of what he could be. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can do that consistently this year get, and stay healthy. That was kind of his best game of the year, ironically enough, for right. the Lions, was that game. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays in. Of course, how Canard can kind of help that uh, as well, given he's come over from the Giants this offseason. Yeah. And you know what else I was
1: wondering about, Max? That was That was interesting to me. It seems like from what I've read... From these two practices it's been pretty even with the first team offenses versus the first team defenses did you have you seen that you know anyone's win, taking you know more of a majority w- winning in these 11-on-11 full-team drills do you think that you like for example has the lions first team offense stood out to you against the giants first team defense or vice versa
3: you know i think like you said it's been pretty even i haven't right. really been able to, to put a, a finger on it and say hey here's a clear winner." I, I you know. Uh, Eli Manning was intercepted today by Glover Quinn. I mean, he was sacked a couple times, you know, theoretically by Kennard. But, you know, you can't really read into that. The Giants have made plays as well. They've they've gotten it going. Like you said, I really like Wayne Gallman. Uh, He showed me a lot uh, from Mm. the Giants' perspective. I think he's, you know, I I liked him coming out of Clemson. Uh, But after watching him now with some NFL experience under his belt, I really like what he's going to do as well. I think, you know, it's so hard to, to judge these things because they go against each other. There's always guys coming in and out. So There's right. really second-teamers coming in, and, you know, they're rotating so crazy fast. Um, it's hard to, to kind of call one side a winner. I think really uh, – it, it sounds cliche to say it, right? And It sounds kind of silly, but I think both sides are going to come out of this the winner because, you know, anytime you get a chance if you're at like a slate to go against Odell Beckham, anytime you're – you know, a guy like Will Hernandez going against some of these Lions linemen and Ansa, you know, some of these looks that they're going to show with Matt Patricia, how can you not – gain from that and gain from that experience and gain from that tape uh, which they'll have now to kind of try to figure this out so you know, I think the whole thing is going to kind of benefit, uh, everybody's going to get benefit, benefited from this equally and you know, I'm really excited to kind of see what it does for both teams because I really think it will help them you know, of course coming out of this preseason game uh, to see kind of where it launches them if they're able to kind of get off to a good start this season because of the work they did so closely here in camp and the professional work as we said that's really gone on in Allen Park so far.
1: Yeah, Max, I think what you just said right there was an incredible, excellent point that we haven't touched on that's really important. And it's that, you know, in past years, all the years under McAdoo and most of the final years under Coughlin, the Giants didn't do these joint practices. But what it does allow them, as Max just illustrated so more importantly, is that it gives them game tape on another team. And as Eli Manning said today, after practice, he said, it gives us different looks as a quarterback, different coverages, different defensive schemes. And Eli Apple on the flip side said it's it's a big advantage for us to see the ball come out of Matthew Stafford's hand, the way he throws the ball, versus what we've seen, which is the same quarterbacks over and over. So it really just gives the team different looks, more game tape to work with. And for that reason alone, I'm happy the Giants are getting back to doing this under Shermer. I'm disappointed they hadn't been doing these joint practices in the past. But, you know, gladly things have changed. I was going to ask you, Max, if any Giants players really stood out, caught your attention, but it seems like you kind of jumped the gun there, which is great, and you got you got it down with Wayne Gallman, who's a guy who, you know, I'm really excited for this season. I like what I've seen pretty much every snap he's had since he's got to the Giants. Um, but I want to I want to leave, leave on this note, and, and before I jump into, actually, well, we'll leave it with you giving your final thoughts, but first I want to ask you one more question, a little bit of a preview question, Max, um, and that would be what do you expect to see on Friday night after watching these two practices from the Lions? Do you think they're going to – because obviously we know in the first preseason game, teams don't really game plan. They don't put much together. But in the second preseason game, they start to you know, give a few more looks on offense, a few more different looks that you know, they plan to use in the regular season on defense. And that's something even Pat Shermer said the Giants will be doing in the preseason second game. So I'm just asking, for Giants fans' sake, do you expect to see anything new and interesting from either a player personnel standpoint or formation, anything like that on Friday night from the Lions?
3: Well, I, th- I think they'll open it up a little bit more. I mean, we didn't see a whole lot. I mean, of course, like you said, Oakland, it was kind of a vanilla game plan. They really didn't, and Matthew Stafford didn't even take snaps. A lot of the starters didn't take snaps. We really didn't get to see a whole lot that, that really would help you gauge where they're at, gauge what they might want to do. But I think this week you're going to see more. Uh, on, Johnson, I think, for, for example, is a great thing for Giants fans to watch. You know, where the Lions get him in, the type of things they do with him, uh, do they give him more looks early on, kind of as the lead dog back, so to speak? I think he earned it uh, with his great performance against Oakland. Kind of the buzz of the NFL was kind of Carry on Johnson coming on here um, as a really strong running back for a Lions running attack that needs that, that type of guy, that type of dynamic uh, for their team. So, you know, I think you're going to see a little bit of that. I think you're going to see a little bit more creativity offense. You're going to see a few more things. Uh, I still think you know you're, you're going to see him. Be careful. I mean, this is a this is a Bill Belichick disciple here, Matt. You're going to see lockdown. You're, you're not going to see you know much uh, much in the way of, of anything special, crazy or anything like that. I think for me, it's more player usage, you know, the type of players uh, they put on the field, and what situations, especially with running backs, especially with some of these position battles. The Lions have tight end. Seeing if they can work some more of those guys, and there's some more looks in there for those guys. Um, I think that's kind of what you're going to see. They're not going to give a whole lot away because, you know, Matt Patricia, he won't give anything away, whether it's a press conference, whether it's a game. He's certainly not going to give it away in a game if he won't give anything away in a press conference. Uh, but I am really excited for that game. And, and to your point about the, uh, the the joint practices, you know, it's, it's ironic that you brought up McAdoo and, and the, the Giants not doing that because what I, I saw was, was the Lions never did that under Jim Caldwell. If they did not have that. Previous, They didn't have it in previous regimes. Caldwell brought it only when uh, Bob Quinn did from New England. They had used it successfully there. And the last two years, the Lions have done it. And you know what they did against the Steelers a couple years back, and last year was against the Colts. And, and it really, I don't think it's an accident um, that the Lions, despite all their problems that they had, were able to finish 9-7 and seven the last couple of years, 18 wins, make the playoffs one year, kind of be on the doorstep of it last year, even though they weren't able to get over the hump. Uh, but I don't think it was by accident. I think that that preparation preseason, you know, in addition to the preseason, doing that extra work really helps out. And I think that that's something that Giants fans will notice this year. I think it goes a long way towards helping the professionalism, helping the, the attitude, the mindset of a team, giving them confidence. Um, and I think that's really what you're going to see here. So I've already noticed it as it relates to the Lions bringing that in. I think Giants fans are going to notice that uh, this year as well uh, when they get get a chance to get off of this look at the tape and improve some of the things that they've seen here in Detroit so I think it's a win-win Giants-Lions it's huge for the Giants to start this again and it's good news for them
1: yeah I think you're spot on there Max I mean again like you even said this is a Lions team that's won 18 games the last few seasons this is a good roster this is a good team they're headed in the right direction from a direction from a coaching standpoint they have Matthew Stafford who I think is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL so the Giants can compete with them and hold their own like they have these two practices it's a pretty good sign of what we might see in the regular season and I'm really glad you actually took the time to mention my boy carry on Johnson as Max knows I've been hitting him up all day for the past week about carry on Johnson. I love <laughs> carry on Johnson. I want him to be a fantasy football hit. I don't know if it's going to happen because, of course, Amira Duel is somehow rearing his ugly head again. getting <laughs> first-team snaps. But Garrett Blunt's probably going to take the goal line stuff. And they still got Riddick for third down, but I don't care. I watched <laughs> carry on Johnson, that third-and-one cut he made in the open field was so pretty this is one of the smoothest runners i've seen he has people you know compared to me on bell i didn't totally see it in college but on that run in the preseason against the raiders where he cut in the open field i said how the hell did he create space with that angle and that's the type of stuff that really stands out to me so from a fan standpoint from a fantasy standpoint i'm excited to see what he brings to the table but you know other than that max i really appreciate you taking the time today to share your thoughts and before we let you go did you want to add anything else, or do you want to just sign off or tell people where they can follow your work?
3: Well, for sure. I, I, I do want to make one quick point about Odell Beckham. Oh, keep going. I watched him a couple days uh, now in practice. Of course, today, uh, I had a chance to get really close to the field, kind of be right up on, right in the action. And Odell Beckham, you know, the kids are all yelling for him. They want him to sign autographs. And this is whether or not you're a Giants fan or a Lions fan. Everybody kind of captivated by this guy because he makes that one-handed catch. We know he's, he's crazy with the things he does. And he's a showman. He's a guy that that does it at the greatest level. So, you know, you would think he's a guy that would kind of blow off the fans or, you know, it kind of, you know, just disappear in the locker room, but I really thought it was special. He came in, and, you know, he's not going to sit there and sign every autograph because he can't. I mean, you don't blame him for that because he can You know, everybody's going to crowd around him. But what he did do I thought was really cool. He did a lap around the uh, the side of the practice field with all the fans, slapping fives with kids, slapping fives with, with adults, slapping fives with whoever would throw out their hand. Um, And it's really cool to see that. And you know what? I've seen a different side of Odell Beckham. I think the media sometimes, you know, you see him and he's kind of portrayed differently in the media. He's kind of portrayed as a bad guy type sometimes. But really, you know, in watching him interact with with the players, of course, he's good friends with Darius Slade, who he battles with all the time, hanging out with his kids, playing around in the field. Um, It's really special to watch. So, you know, I think Odell Beckham, a lot of people (laughs) that aren't Giants fans that that kind of watch him from afar – are tempted to kind of paint him with a negative brush, but uh, I'm not going to do that. I think uh, one of my biggest takeaways from this is how cool of a guy he is, how good of a guy he is um, and and how, how he really does give back to the fans and how he really does kind of take that seriously. So I think uh, that's really cool. And that's something that uh, the Giants fans can be proud of. You know, he, making the headlines from time to time for the the dog uh, the dog peeing and all that mm. but you know what i mean i think at the end of the day he's a good guy and it's uh, somebody you wouldn't mind rooting for on your side not just because of the great catches but because of the off field stuff and of course um you know what he does for the fans as well so that's definitely cool uh as an aside you can always follow me if any lions fans are out there in giants country and happen to like the lions or giants you can follow me on twitter at sports guy the max i'm there all the time posting Lions links, of course, to Detroit Lions on 24-7 sports. As Dan knows, I'm on the, uh, the Lions site all there, all day all there and i uh, getting everything taken care of. So that's kind of my, uh, my closing statement here. And I was honored to be your first guest of the podcast, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Max, you were
1: awesome. Thanks again for stopping <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. We'll definitely do this again when the Giants match up against the Lions next.
3: For sure, guys. I'll be looking forward to it. We'll talk to you again then. All right. Thanks
1: again, Max. And that was Max Samara of Lions on 24 7 Sports. Definitely check him out, at least at, uh, up until this game for sure. Check out what you can learn from him uh, on this matchup. Again, like I said, he's at practice, so he's got the insight. Um, but anyway, now we're going back into a little more Giants talk here. Uh, not matchup, but what we're looking forward to in the preseason week two between Nick, uh, what me and Nick are looking forward to specifically. And. First, we wanted to kind of touch on an under the radar guy you probably haven't heard much about, and that's AJ Francis. Defensive lineman for the Giants. They signed him from the Redskins, has a really interesting backstory as somebody who was drafted in 2014 and hasn't really made much noise until now. But what we've been seeing from him in training camp practices and then that preseason opener is interesting. He's a guy who we've seen some flashes as a pass rusher out of that. Remember. We've been looking for somebody to come in as the sub package three technique defensive end on passing downs. Me and Nick talked on one of the early podcasts, and so we thought that could be RJ McIntosh, the rookie. Well, McIntosh hasn't practiced yet. Uh, Pat Shermer says it's a slow and long rehab process. He's starting to look at the picture for 2018. But what I wanted to know, Nick, based on what you've seen, can you envision Francis maybe taking over in this role, and, and then and then you know making the roster because of it?
2: Yeah, to me, I think uh, you know he's a guy who flashes in a little bit of a different way for, um, versus the three tech. Uh, you know, right off the bat, he's a guy who's six five, is three thirty seven. He's one of the larger guys on the field. Period. Um, so a guy with that type of size. Um, you know, he was used in the red by the Redskins in early downs, kind of as a first and second uh, down. You know, one tech and two tech uh, type of player. When they when they ran two techs, uh, that's basically two defensive def- defensive tackles that are over the guards. When they ran that type of front, he wasn't featured that much, um, but he was featured when they when they were running a one tech w- closer to the center. Um, so for me, I actually see him more as a as a potential speller for. Um, first Snacks Harrison, oh for Snacks, yeah, just because of the profile and what you see with him is a guy that's got a has got a fair amount of functional strength. You know, he's going to be able to win with his size a lot. He's going to be able to get in holes where you do see him kind of fall down a little bit, which is why I think he's had a little bit of a tough time kind of getting going and with his career is you know momentum wise, he's not super agile. He's not going to have a lot of change of direction. He's not going to be able to basically what you see on tape is when he gets going in a direction, he's not going to be able to come back. And that's actually the more I watch his tape, it's amazing to contrast it with with Snacks, who's just like, he looks like he's 220 pounds at times, and he looks like he's three, you know, at whatever he is at other times because he's unbelievably agile. And uh, so anyway, but but what I liked is I, I like him as a good backup to have that to to for that one tech and zero tech um backup role for Snacks, and that was a big area for the Giants last year when Snacks wasn't on the field. They had a lot of issues in the run game and the run run defense. You know, I think they they want to shore that up because. Snacks is going to play, I think, longer stretches where he doesn't come off the field on third down right away. I think they're going to leave him on to give him some some good pass rush um, reps and for him to kind of improve that side of, of his game. And and so I think he'll go series where he's not on. And when he's not on, you know, you want guys like him, guys like B.J. Hill, guys like you know guys that are farther down the depth chart to really be able to to come in on the interior. We know that. That BJ Hill may be playing on the exterior of their base, but be able to swap in on those parts and be one of those one of those pieces. And I think uh, I actually do think EJ Francis will make the team.
1: That's interesting, especially when you consider the depth they have on that defensive line. Guys like Robert Thomas yeah. who actually flashed a bit a bit as well with his big sack of Baker Mayfield in the first preseason game. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. Um, another a few other players I wanted to profile. But I'm really looking forward to seeing in this second preseason game. We'll start with Wayne Gallman, a player who to me is should be the number 2 back on the Giants roster when all said and done. I don't hate Jonathan Stewart, I don't want to be that guy. He's actually been a little bit more elusive than people realize, especially over the last 6 years. It's obviously been a little less over the last 2 years. He's, you know, creating a few few less forcing tackles, a few a few, you know, few less yards per carry after a 10-foot but at the same time, Gallman's guy who I rewatched the game and I saw a lot of bursts on his few touches. He gets the ball and he's like he's he, it's like every play he wants to take to the house. Um, but not, but I mean, he's not over with it because he he does his, his good vision, good cuts, good quick inside moves. Um, he's gotten a lot of action this week with Barkley's sideline. Obviously, Saquon Barkley has been out of practice since Tuesday, injured his hamstring during Monday's practice on a awesome ball from Kyle Aletta over the top on a wheel route where Barkley beat Janoris Jenkins. I just want to repeat that. He beat Janoris Jenkins <laughs> on a wheel route. The ball was – it, was, it wasn't perfect. It was perfect. Barkley doesn't get hurt. It was a little bit to the point where Barkley had to outstretch his arms completely, and that kind of just uh, slowed down his ment- momentum in his life to so a point where he, he may have – it looks like he tweaked his hamstring, And he's been out the past few days, and that's, been a lot, that's meant a lot more reps for Wayne Gallman. We talked earlier on the podcast about the big play he made behind Will Hernandez on the counter. He's been making plays throughout practice, as Max said. Max pointed him out as a guy, uh, and Max, our Lions on 24-7 sports writer, pointed him out as a guy who stood out to him practice. What are you looking forward to seeing from Gallman, uh in the second preseason game when he's sure to get a lot more action?
2: Yeah, I think one thing that really stands out when you watch his tape from last year is um... And this is going to put him in competition like we're talking about with Stewart and and contrasting from Stewart um, is his his versatility. He runs well in both gap schemes, which we're talking about man, man schemes, man blocking, and as well in zone schemes. And it is a little weird, a little odd to see, a little unique, I should say, not weird, uh, to see a running back that can do that on both levels. And what I see is that he's very patient and has, like you said, kind of good vision, especially for a guy this young who's in his second year. Um, And... The, one of the bigger things that I like was his ability to set up blockers and, his, like I said, his ability to have patience to then have pretty good burst after a couple of strides to get through the line. A couple of the bigger runs last year were on some power runs where he really kind of. Kind of had a a, a very good um, second level read to get to the third level with with good burst there. So he has kind of the home run potential. But then almost almost just as important, when I saw him running zone, he has that ability where he keeps his legs churning through the hole and he kind of finds ways to fall forward consistently. And so with with a guy with his size, he's six he's six foot two ten. He weighed in at the combine at two fifteen. So he's like two ish, but he's got a fair he's got a good frame, and that's going to generate a lot of yards. And that's a it's. Where he is a little, where he struggles a little bit, I would say almost, is he doesn't bounce into to the outside that quickly. He's got very good shifty moves in medium amounts of space, meaning he can, in the hole, he can kind of do a few more things than people realize. Uh, but he's not. He contrasts to Barkley that he's not looking for that home run all the time. So I do see him kind of falling into the second that that number two spot, not as like the thunder and lightning type, you know, contrast, but just really as someone who can produce good yards for them. And the versatility and scheme is a is a big uptick over Jonathan Stewart. Again, not to knock him, but he is much more of a gap scheme runner. And I think one of the one of his fallouts, one of the issues at Carolina in Carolina, was that they were he stopped running a lot of their gap schemes at the earlier part of last year and i think that was what would kind of stall their running game and that changed toward the end of the season but for him he wasn't you know he as he aged he wasn't Evolving into 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 multiple schemes, so I think that's going to be something right off the bat with Gallman. You're going to have a step up as well in the screen game. You know, Gall, uh, Gallman for a young players got really good spatial awareness. He's got good footwork after contact. He catches the ball well. It's something that he's definitely focused on this off season because his practice tape and this preseason tape showed that as well. So you're seeing a younger player in a different stage of his career get better. I definitely see him maybe not right off the bat getting the number two spot, but you know, within a very very short amount of time having that spot as his own.
1: Yeah, it's interesting also because, like you said, you broke it down perfectly why, what makes him an interesting and unique running back prospect. And at Clemson, he averaged three and a half yards per carry after first contact, which was something that stood out to me during last year's draft process. I like him a lot. I think Goldman has proven he can also be a factor in the passing game. And, you know, while Stewart may have the edge on him now, I see Coleman winning that battle when all is said and done. Um, I'm also going to be looking forward to in this game, and I know you touched on you you told me about it when we talked before the podcast, what Curtis Riley can do. Because listen, Darren Thompson, he's out with a hamstring injury. He suffered it during the last preseason game, hasn't practiced since. Riley, listed number one on the depth chart of free safety, has been practicing since recovering from that hamstring injury for the last week uh, or since Sunday. And he will be starting on a Friday night, most likely. What are you looking forward to from Riley? What do we need to see? Can he stand out right away and kind of take? Hold of this job?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's you know his background as a cornerback immediately gets into can his range prove in a can he prove his range in a game setting? Can he prove his range with his mental processing of of reading the quarterback and reacting? Don't want to jump down Darian Thompson's you know into his issues, but you still see some false steps from Darian Thompson. Some some reads where he's not kind of basically moving to the side of the ball as quickly as he should. So And now that he's injured, obviously, the whole thing is kind of up up for grabs. So that's what you want to see from just the ability to basically have a chance to get uh, a pass deflection. It's very hard to grade free free safeties because – you're playing a lot of you know a lot of man free which is cover one where he's that one deep zone defender if you want to call him that in the middle of the field he often doesn't get to the balls to the, to the fade routes to the seam routes to the out routes but it's what he does you know in making up for that and getting his, getting as close to a, at the play as he can that can really add help to his uh, to his man defenders and we have seen that with the Giants secondary they need that help so I do think this is kind of a crucial position for them and, and we'll see if he can do that
1: yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the table as well uh, in the second preseason game. Uh, did we want to dive into any quarterback talk? I think we kind of we got into that a little. I think what we'll expect to see is more action from Eli Manning. I think he's going to play almost the entire quarter, and then I think we'll kind of divvy up the rest of the game between Webb and and uh, Loretta, we'll maybe get Tanny another series or two. What are you, What are you looking forward to there? Is there anything more you want to add?
2: No, I think it's, uh, you know, we all know that what what Webb's improvements kind of, or we think we you know, people have a beat on what Webb's improvements kind of should be and would be, and I think you're going to look into to see if his timing is improved and his arm angles maybe a little bit to see if he's maybe, you know, losing some of the bad habits at least. And just overall accuracy kind of the key there. And to be able to deliver that ball on time, that's that's kind of the, the basic starting place. And I think he'll get there, uh, maybe not this week, but maybe over, you know, over the course of this preseason, that's what this is all about. Uh, I think you're right on Eli. I think Eli wants – he wants to put a few balls in the end zone, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, I think that, I think he's a competitor and I think all these guys know this is the preseason, but at the same time, you know, I think, I think he wants to find guys like, like Cody Latimer. I think they want to run that that corner out in the red zone. I think he wants to show like, Hey, you know, he has multiple targets and, you know, kind of instill a little bit of fear in this division. That's, you know, that's is going to be competitive this year.
1: Yeah. I thought it was really interesting, Nick, how on last podcast, you talked about one of the bad habits we need to see Webb fix. And that was what you consider, what you called burping the baby. Um, which is essentially just patting the football down. Um, which, which, correct. It's basically overly padding the football.
2: Yeah, you got to look on tape. But what ends up happening is, like, it's, it's right before he's about to throw, he takes his left hand, and his left hand's not on the ball, and he taps the ball. And what that does right. it against gets, gets a lot of secondaries, that's a it's a tip. It's like a tell in poker that he's going to throw it. So guys will break on that. Exactly. And, and, and what I
1: thought was so interesting. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 what no, no. was so interesting about that is that.
2: they were asking Webb to break down his
1: performance and he said when i was looking on tape i saw i kept patting the ball i saw way too many instances of patting the ball so kudos to you there nick for (laughs) pointing out something that you saw on tape that even Webb, when he went back on wants to improve on because he saw it as an issue as well so we're hoping to see that improvement in this game we need him to clean up these little things if he wants to hold on to this number two job um and and just lastly, uh, were there any other players you wanted to see? Because I'll throw one more name out there. I want to see Lorenzo Carter. Today at practice, Carter was getting individual attention from Connor Barwin, uh, the outside linebacker who's been injured uh, since the preseason game, hasn't practiced since Connor Barwin. And after getting uh, individual like talk on one of the plays, <laughs> Carter responded with back to back sacks on, <laughs> on the next two full team drills. So he's just a guy I think that's just oozing with potential. I, like I said, when, when the Giants draft was over, I think he's going to end up being the best pick per per the value of where each player was selected in this draft class. I know everyone's like, what do you mean? He's going to be better than Barkley? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for where they drafted each player. Um, what are you looking forward to with Carter? And what, did you see anything that, he, that stood out in this first game? I know he didn't play that many snaps.
2: Yeah, he played, he played a fair amount. Um, he
1: played a decent amount, but I, but I mean,
2: we could have seen. But anyway, is there anything you thought you saw there? Um, yeah, you know, I think I think it when you touched on the Barwin thing, yelling out to him and giving him some tips and stuff, I think this is going to be huge. It's one of the biggest reasons I like the Barwin signing, actually, right. was for that development. And, but the reason why, it's not just because guys need to get better and he's going to help them get better. It's specifically for Carter. He had a great early part to his career at Georgia. I'm not saying he had a poor end, but he was kind of seen as a star that never really reached his his potential in terms of statistics and and sacks and everything. Part of the reason is, and this is not the whole reason, part of the reason is um, he kind of only has one move. He's got a speed move to the outside, and as a defensive end of the NFL, you you want more. So that's where the veteran Barwin can really help. And so that's what I'm looking for. You're not looking for sacks in the preseason necessarily, other than him showing more moves as he takes on that 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 right and left tackle. It was mostly the right tackle that I saw. He was coming from the left side in the preseason game. Um, you know, like you see he tried a long-arm move. And my colleague at Inside the Pylon, Nick Filato, I'm sure he saw this. He, he breaks down defensive line stuff awesomely in terms of the move. And he, he tries a long-arm move where he sticks his, his one arm into the tackle and tries to basically get some bend around the edge. And he kind of innocently fell very very quickly. It's not knocking him. That's all this stuff is work in progress. You know, he needs more reps doing that against different tackles with different techniques. And so all that type of stuff I think is going to benefit him with Barwin in his ear. And that's that's huge. And again, anyone to compliment uh, we know anyone to compliment uh, Vernon is a big deal in this in this pass rush to generate it off the the consistent four- and five-man rushes that they'll get. That's a big, big deal. So it's something that I – just, again, maybe a wrinkle or two, his ability to maybe come inside um, as as the game progresses, all that type of – uh, inside rush, those types of things are huge for his career. No doubt, Nick, no
1: doubt. And, again, one of the main things I'll, I'll just add before we wrap this up is that I think the Giants will finally actually put a little bit of a game plan together for this game. They really – didn't do much on offense last week. They had eleven plays, like we talked about with that first team offense. Nothing, nothing interesting. No design screens or design routes for Ingram or Barkley. So I think we'll finally see that in this game. And you're going to see that the offense can can uh, move the ball a little bit, a little bit better than they did last game. So I'm definitely excited to see that. Anyway, Nick, is there anything else you wanted to throw out there before we wrap this up?
2: No, not to get the sound bite in for the SEO, but yeah. we did see. With the third team with Loletta and RPO, which is not like the greatest thing in the world, but I think it's interesting to see kind of immediately. It was a super basic RPO. I believe it was mid-zone coupled with bubble, and it was a simple pre-snap read, but it's something that that to me is Shula helping out the overall playbook. And again, like you said, you're not going to see a lot of it, but just the fact that it was in already – that to me is is a is a big indication or will be a big indication to continue to watch to see as they do that. And maybe it maybe doesn't happen with Eli as much as the second and third team guys, but it's there and it's and it's going to be installed. Uh, so something I'll be watching it as well.
1: Definitely interesting note. I didn't catch that myself. So interesting. Giants mixing some RPO anyway. You can, always, you can always count on Nick to drop a nice fun pin bit at the end there. But <laughs> guys, we're going to wrap this up now. We're going to be adding some some more things to this podcast as we move forward. Obviously, in the season, we've got big plans, but we're going to keep trying to do some. Uh, interviews with some of the writers and, and reporters covering the different teams before the matchups and we're going to get start working in a, a, a mailbag uh section of the podcast at the end where we get to your questions and we'll touch more on that during this next week but on that note um i'm signing off right now for, for dan Schneider. this is nick turchin and as always go giants